Hello. How is one? One is fine. How is two? <laughs> two is fine. How is three? Sun in Three's himself. Three's on holiday. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> yeah, it's all right for some. But, um... nah, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him. I yes. hope. But if he is tuning in, firstly, why is he tuning in? Because I think it's like ridiculously late at night where he is. He's like two hours in front of us, isn't he? Or an hour? Yeah, and hour. there are better things he can be doing than watching this. Like drinking, getting on it. Which is the general I have of everyone who watches this podcast, to be <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do wonder why sometimes. It's our good looks, um, that's what it is. Yeah, mm. well, yeah, maybe. Um, good evening, <laughs> Kenny. Hi, Marky Mark. Uh, Pony Tony. Tactical Dads. Hello, hello. Blackbeard, good evening. Silly Gilly, James McNary and Mrs. McNary. McNary. I can never pronounce that correctly. I don't know if that's right. I, <laughs> I apologise, James. It. <laughs> um, hi, Andrew Taylor. Pony Tony, hello there. Oh, so, Northern France. Bonjour. Ah, very nice. That's my uh, French. The only French I really know is Oué la Piscine, which is where is the swimming pool. Um. See, I always, Bonjour. I don't know French at all, but I always got told that un coulé de poulet was go f, f a chicken. So I know bonjour okay. and an insult. And that's as far as my French goes. I'd like to share a story about my brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think he's listening, so that's fine. Uh, my, my brother doesn't know a lot of German. And we went to a German Christmas market. Now, the only German that my brother knows is Hende Hochscheißkopf, which means hands up, shithead. Um, <laughs> Which that he decided, said? he decided, I'm in Germany, I'm going to speak some German. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just cringing in the corner. Please don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, if you're ever on holiday with my brother. Don't he, um... Germany. <laughs> so, hi John. Hello. Uh, oh, Andrew's beside the pool right now. Bloody hell. Oh, lovely. There's too many people on holiday at the moment, it's ridiculous. I want to go on holidays. Right, just before we start. Oh, sorry. Okay. Ed oh, was saying I was watching Game of Thrones when the notification came up. So, are you uh, you are better than Game of Thrones? Oh. Thanks, bud. Who's Daenerys? I'd definitely say that's Mike. I don't not watch Game of Thrones, so I'm going to oh. assume that's a cool, cool You've missed major out. character. It's really good. You should watch it. I watched the first season, but I watched with my parents and then decided that I didn't want to watch Game of Thrones there was anymore. Too much nudity to be sat with your parents. It was very awkward. Um, was she the dragon lady? Sorry, yeah, she was. I, 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 yeah, okay, right. Cool. Hi, <laughs> hi, Rage. Um, anyone that's listening um, that might know a bit about technology and stuff, I have bought the Fulium X5. Uh mobile clippy on pieces uh i can't seem to understand how to get the voice working properly um so if anyone has any experience with that or uses uh special apps or stuff please drop me a message because i'm starting to get frustrated thank you in advance <laughs> Kenny, Kenny says those French lose you stand over. My mate missed the hole and got his trousers. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Steve. Welcome, welcome. Um, Hello, so, yeah, Steve. we're obviously not joined by Lance this week. Nope. We're going to be 
going it alone. Well, I say alone. Me and Andy are going to be going it alone. Duo. Um, so we are going to be continuing our chat on the differences between Woodland and Urban Events. So if you would like to find out what happened before this conversation, then I recommend going back and checking out episode 146, where we also chat about the latest Defiant event. Yes, we did. But in the meantime... And a few other things. Well, we always talk about a few other things. So there's never a single track of thread on this. Um, so let's 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 chat some news. 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 So, what's in the news this week, Andy? Uh, I don't know. It's been pretty quiet, actually. Oh, apparently, I don't know if you saw our post, but those two thieving yoiks uh from oh who was it that we posted up a video about two people stealing from a shop um uh, they from what i understand handed themselves in and have paid for the products now Ah. um from what i understand from looking at their website um i haven't posted up the second part yet um but yeah from what i understand they handed themselves in after going very public (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's not certainly not an uh, an ideal thing to. First, that you shouldn't steal, and then secondly, no. like I, I think it was the fact it was such a brazen thing to do, like the yeah. way that it was done. Um, and open the box and just put the contents of the box in your yeah. pocket. No, uh, just take the box as well. Do it properly. <laughs> just don't get caught. Idiots. Yeah, just don't get caught. No, don't do it directly underneath we, we the camera. Definitely not condone it. Definitely no. not in the sport either, because um, it's just a bit of shit, really, for everybody. It is. So, and it's yeah. us. It's everyone else that has to pay for it at the end of the day, because they've got to make a profit. Hmm. Other than that, that's about all the news I have heard over the grapevine. Yeah, I can't really have... say I've heard too much news. Um, I want to just obviously reiterate that the glasses we talked about last week weren't revision. Uh, they were... Um, Ashies, I can't remember the name of the brand, but they weren't revision. I know we obviously started talking about them being revisions, and somebody uh, got a bit upset that I was implying that their revision glasses would be um, impacted or or uh, or uh, not not as good as they should be for airsoft. Um, so yeah, no. I apologise. It wasn't wasn't the correct term. Um, no, yeah, it wasn't. It was. That, wasn't it Edge? Wasn't it the Edge? It was Edge something. I think it was the begins with an A. I don't know. I don't know. I'll be honest, Andy. At I this point, he's... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name the specific <laughs> brand without knowing. So, uh, having already got into trouble for that. But to be <laughs> fair, I've played a lot of airsoft with Ash, and he has taken. His face is a BB magnet. Like I don't understand how he gets away with not just falling apart. To be honest, with the amount of hits he gets mm. in the face, and they have stood up to every other shot that I've ever seen taken to him. That is, it was. From what I've been told, a literal one in a million shot. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty bad. But um, I ran a poll. I ran you, a poll you, on the Nofo Airsoft community chat on Facebook, and um, so I wanted to find out roughly. Oh, I, I tried to pick a few polls. camouflage colours. Um, so I wanted to find some sort of a selection what people's favourites were because I, I think there's a lot of love out there for various different patterns i mean mm-hmm. mtp multicam obviously seems to be a firm favorite with a lot of people because it's easily accessible readily available kit 
Um, but interestingly, of the poll that we did, uh, came out on top Woodland DPM with 26%. Uh, second was M81 Woodland. So a lot of love for Woodland. Yeah. And third was just, funnily enough, plain OD Green. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Um, I thought it was quite quite cool. So uh, yeah, yeah, those were the uh, our top three on our poll. Um, we're going to be running go. some other polls on Facebook. I appreciate that not everyone has Facebook. Please don't shout at me, Rage. Um, but then I don't think Rage necessarily would participate in the polls anyway. <laughs> but if, he does, if, if you want to, Rage, let me know, and I will um, I will vote for you um, or on your behalf. So, uh, cool. Well, that's that's the only real news I'm aware of. I haven't had yeah. any purchases either. I have. Uh, I've got one. It's the end of. October and I'm pretty skinny. Yeah. <laughs> I got one. I bought myself Ooh. a Mual. Mual? Mual. Mual. M A W L. Mall. 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 C1. Um, yeah, this is. I like it. It works. That's nice. Please don't blind yourself. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So how much was it? Uh, I managed to get this for £90. Cool. And it's got... Where did you get I don't it know if you'd be, I don't know if you'd be able to see it, but that little light there... Yes. That, that changes green, and it's a really tiny little dot. So when you've got your eye... If you haven't got your IR, like if you haven't got your uh, nods on, because it's got IR settings as well, mm -hmm. um, it shows up oh, that's ever so idea. slightly. And then when you turn it off, when you turn the whole unit off, the whole thing goes. It's actually a very good bit of kit. It's uh, I think it's the Wusan one. Wusan? Wasan? Wasan. It's the CNC one. I, I don't know a lot about them specifically. But... Uh, it's the CNC one. It's not the one that costs £23,000. Um, but yeah, I got it second hand for 90 quid off of one of the Facebook groups. Very nice. And it works absolutely brilliantly. And that will be going on my Mark 18. Mm -hmm. cool. If anyone has a real one and would like to do a collab video on <laughs> full comparison is to see what, what the differences are hit me up i will i will do you, do you think it would be worth having one of those if you didn't have night vision what a peg box in general or just one of these oh well talk, talk well i mean you can talk about peg box in general but i mean appreciate there's different peg boxes in terms of you know, you can get them that are just battery storage. You get them with just a torch. Some of them have a little laser on. Yeah, so also have IR capability. I've got this one, uh, the more. Uh, but then also as well, I've got the GMP one. Um, this mm -hmm. one doesn't have um, a light on it. Uh, this is just purely for um, our visual laser and IR laser. Um, and this is a brilliant bit of kit. Um, if you can get hold of one of these definitely um they don't seem to make them anymore um but between the two this one obviously has a little built-in torch um and this one doesn't so this one's purely just for night vision and having a visual laser mm -hmm. um i personally 
never really use a, a laser um, unless I'm doing it. Good job, but you own two of them then. <laughs> yeah, but I tend to use it mainly for night vision. Um, yeah. But also as well, it is quite intimidating having a, a, a couple of lasers pointing through some smoke. Um, oh, I don't know. Personally, for me, yes, because I've got night vision. Um, That's what I'm saying. So, But if you took away the night vision, probably less useful. Probably less useful, but it still looks cool. Yeah. And you've got the rule of cool to kind of think about as well. Mm -hmm. But this one, the, the small little GMP one, where have I put it? This one with a little absolutely brilliant bit of kit. Um. You can run that with any torch that you want as well, then. Um, so I run mine with the O-Light. Um, if you wanted to kind of cut down on the amount of weight on the front of your weapon, then, yeah, you can go for, like, a small pet box with uh, an inbuilt light, an inbuilt laser. Um, yeah, it all depends on what your game style is. I prefer having a torch that has strobe on it, though, uh, especially at night uh, when you're laid up in ambush. Um, and you fire and you put the strobe on, it really does disorient people um, yeah. in regards to where you're where you're firing from because all they see is the flash and then the like they're getting rained down on by BBs, mm. which is why I think, I think, think sometimes with, having the torch and it's the issue with airsoft though, obviously, in that lasers are obviously a, a big problem in terms of you know there are children at airsoft games you know, let's just be honest with you uh, both adult children and actual children um, yeah <laughs> so giving them giving them a laser pointer that you know swooping across Ooh. pointing people's eyes can obviously be quite dangerous i just want to say hello just change just quick hello to our first twitch viewer twitch is it twitch it is twitch and they're not the first it is twitch are they not the first it's the first second it's the first today <laughs> the first today the second that we've ever seen so welcome yeah um, I mean, with strobes and things like that as well, obviously there's there's the risk of epilepsy. Uh, well, not the risk of epilepsy, but there's yes. the risk of those suffering with epilepsy. Obviously, you know, I know I know certain sites will sort of do a blanket ban on things like lasers and, and yeah. strobes and stuff. So I always double check if there's no written rules. I'll always check with the organizer to make sure that they haven't had any um, haven't had anyone say, yeah, I suffer from epilepsy. Um, yeah. Because the, the flash, the uh, I've actually got it here because I took it off my Mark 18. I don't know if you'd be able to see that's yeah. no epilepsy warning for anyone on this channel, though. So just <laughs> oh, cool. Um, I don't think that would be big enough because it's only a little screw. I don't know. I don't know how epile I know epilepsy send people mad, but I apologize if I've just given you a fit. There we go. Uh, punish one has chipped in. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> the only polls Rage is interested in is the ones he slides down in fishnets. Kieran says, I bought a holster set for my FN 5.7 from Kydex Customs. Bought it first thing on Thursday. 30 hours later, it is in my hands. I'm very pleased with it. So yeah. That is good. You had all your um, Kydex stuff, didn't that you? That one. You I love it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'll put I, think the, um... I think they finally got through their Ukraine order and got that there. So I think yeah. sort of production times are pretty much back on. 
um, yeah. what everyone's expecting them to be. So uh, Yeah, because I know Ash ordered one for his Glock and his new light, and I'm pretty sure that turned up within a couple of hours, like a couple of hours, but a day or so. Um, I highly recommend the um, Bofang older. Um, I've put it on that setup. Mm -hmm. um, really, really compact, really small, holds it properly in place. There's no risk of you pressing any buttons or anything at all. Um, really good bit of kit. Just needs a knob strap, doesn't it? Doesn't we establish that it needs a knob strap? No, see, I've learned something. I've learned something. Take the knob off. They oh, okay. just pop off. Set it to the volume you want. Pull the knob off. And that's this week's <laughs> quote of the week. <laughs> just pull the knob off. Um, before we roll into the woodland and urban stuff, Lance says, fun fact, there are hedgehogs in Cyprus. Ah, what do they call them in Cyprus? What, what language do they speak in Cyprus? Uh, Greek, I believe, in, in southern Cyprus, and then Turkish in northern Cyprus. Ah, right, there you go. Learn and something I would imagine new. that there's also probably a lot of English. Yeah. And other other sort of languages floating around, because it's very, also very touristy, isn't it? So. Mm -hmm. Well, if someone can tell me what hedgehog is in Greek or Turkish without Googling it, well done. <laughs> yeah, cool. um, right, we'll call that the end of the news. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about the differences between woodland and urban events. Uh, we covered loadouts, uh, uniform requirements, uh, and weapon platforms last week. So mm -hmm. we're going to kick this week off with shelter setups. So Andy, mm -hmm. let, let's talk about your sort of woodland shelter setup first, and how you would vary that for an urban event. Um, so as everyone knows, I am a big fan of hammock setups. Um, if the event called for the situation where I could get away with having one, that would be my primary. Um, if it's more low profile, keep yourself out of the like out of prying eyes. Um, just basically keeping where you can get get some shut eye. Then it would be bivy bag and basher would be my main go to. Yep. Yeah, you can't beat the bivy bag and no. basher. Bivy bag and basher setup. Although I really still. It's fine being very hard to get hold of one of your Russian uh, boots bags. You the should see it. I've got, I've got a contact. Oh, I really want one. I've got no money at yeah. the moment because obviously no. They have work. so they have rockets in price, and um, I have noticed as well on anything like eBay or anything like that, every bit of Russian kit now appears to be a Ukraine <laughs> trophy. And I'm not a hundred percent sure if they actually are or whether someone's just gone. Right, here's a clever plan. <laughs> Any anything now, just sell it as that. Job done. Yeah. Um so yeah. They are they are quite hard to get hold of at the moment. Yeah, because the one that I found over in the States, he was like, Yeah, 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 I'll send it over. And then he was like, Oh no, I've just looked at postage. And I'm like, Yeah, but I'm I'm paying the postage. He was like, Yeah, no, I can't be bothered. I was like, but it's I'm paying it. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> He was just like, nah, I can't be bothered going down the post office. Oh, that's, all right. that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the help. <laughs> yeah. Was this an actual business or just somebody selling it? No, this was a business. All right. Okay. I was like, that oh. seems like really counterintuitive business planning yeah. right there. I was like, great. Okay. Cheers. 
enjoy your profit that you're making off of it through not selling it. Um, I will. I'll see if I can find it because I did. I did speak to somebody about buying one. Um, at some point when I was looking to get my original one, and they said that it was something that they could get hold of. Now I don't know where their sources were in terms of where they got hold of these things. Um, but the answer wasn't no. The answer was just you know, let me know and I'll get you one. Give me a day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and but it was a proper company. Um, so I will dig that out by the end of the show. Um, oh, lovely. No, don't. No, uh, don't publicly put it out. Give it to me. No, then know, next, and then, and then, then next week we'll put it out. Hedges Hoggus apparently is the uh, is the Greek. Hedges Hoggus or Hoggus Hoggus Hedgehogs. Um, hi, fresh meat. Welcome, welcome. Um, yeah. So I mean, for me, in terms of shelter setups, I, I kind of flip between three. Um, traditionally, I went straight for the basher. Mm -hmm. uh, then I kind of opted more for a hammock set up and then recently i've been going for my usmc diamond brand tent yeah that's nice mostly to be fair because a lot of the events we've been doing haven't really required you to um move around too much if that mm -hmm. makes sense so it's it's not been uh, the the style of events that we've been playing um per se haven't, haven't really required a lot of the stealth aspect to it um the diamond brand mc mc the diamond brand USMC tent uh, provides a lot of shelter and coverage. It's it's a brilliant blackout system for for sort of sleeping in. Like you get a little bit of bar of light around the bottom of the tent mm -hmm. for the most part. Great tent. Um, they are rocketing up in prices as well. I have a feeling again that's because obviously kit going off to various countries at, at war at the moment because we're not just two two countries at war. The whole world seems to be going to pot at the moment. So. Yeah. Um, they did have a couple at the Military Odyssey in Detling uh, this year for 150, which they are currently going for about 200 to 250 on eBay if you can mm. find one. Um, most of them are being sold in the states, so obviously you've got to bear in mind the postage on that, which are probably looking about maybe 100 pound on top of that, 150. Um, so yeah, I've got to admit, if I went for a tent now. I'd probably save up and go for one of the light fighter ones. Mm -hmm. Like they're, I think they're about 400 quid for four, 500 quid brand new with a single person one. But apparently they're just like, they pack up to like nothing at all. They're like that. And that's your poles that are making yeah. it that size. But this is light as a feather. I've been trying to get hold of Bang, uh, Van Gogh because Van Gogh makes some really good lightweight backpacking tents. Mm -hmm. um, they are on the Duke of Edinburgh. I mean, Duke of Edinburgh is quite a good little source of information for um, camping material because obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to advertise kit for um, relatively inexperienced hikers and the like uh, for sort of your, your bronze, silver and the like to, to go out and spend time in the wilderness. So... Yeah. The Van Gogh Banshee 300 is, is a really good little tent. I've, I've used that backpacking a number of times, but it just isn't camouflaged in any way. It's green. No, the Van Gogh ones the one do. do. Got, the one I've got is a very kind of luminous green, and I, th I think some of the older models and the newer models have a darker version, but I don't know why they just don't come out with a camouflage version because... Because they're meant for, to be for, for hikers. Sort of, but for wild camping, that would be ideal because the whole premise of wild camping is that you're kind of set up late... You know, you're not really visible. Yeah. You're not having a big impact on. I don't the think wild camping's that popular over here, though, because there's not really 
that many places like well there's only one place legally in the uk you can do it or or, sorry in england that you can do it which is dartmoor um and there's obviously the whole issue going on at the moment there in terms of um i think it's now been resolved but there was the landowner issue that wanted to try and kick everyone off their land um yeah you can wild camp in scotland uh with less issue um i don't know the exact laws on it but I, i know that it's easier in Scotland than mm-hmm. it is in the UK. Um, but Vango tents, like if, if Vango brought out a um, a Vanshee um, 300 in a, in a camo pattern, I would immediately have one because it's brilliant. Like they are, they yeah. are little <laughs> compact tents. They weigh like, oh, I can't remember now. I think it's like two kilos or something. Um, they're, they're three person tents and it's something that you can throw up incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a tent. It's not the most low profile though. So granted, if we do any milsims that require proper low profile camping, Basher, uh, yeah. bivy bag, my Ratnik bivy, something like that all day long. Um, I haven't really used the hammock lately. I've got this, I've got this hammock set up. I haven't used it. I mustn't have used it in like two or three years now. Um, quite often we're at sites where the trees are too far apart. Um, I mean, obviously the site that we had our NoFo event at. Yeah. So I know that there are one or two positions that you can obviously set up a hammock. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's not quite so readily available in that that kind of main cell. No, area. you have to kind of just go just outside, mm. um, especially on that back edge um, where Lance has piled up the um, falling down trees to act as a bit of a barrier. You go the other side of that, there's loads of good trees back there. Okay. Keeps you out of the wind as well. It does. It does. But so does a tent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only, I mean, the downside with the tent, obviously, um, is obviously. I mean, any any of the ground camping, you need a relatively decent pad um, mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to get a nice, comfortable night's sleep. You know, there, there's there's things that you can do to mitigate that. So obviously, you make sure you clean your your ground spot before you could go in and, and camp there. Try to remove any of the like old twigs and stuff like that because anything that you'll leave there, or you will find in the night, and it will be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so the hammock's obviously better for that, but then the issue with the hammock is the high-profile nature of it. All. So, you know, yeah, you can get hammocks. I, I know what you're going to say in that you can get low, but with a basher, you can go maybe five, six hundred mil off the ground. Yeah, you can have uh, it. Like, which you're not going like to achieve that. with a. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not going to achieve that with a hammock. Never. Um, Unless you've got it so but... taught. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get in and just mummified. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, in terms of sort of woodland setup, that that's my go-to. Um, by the way, the banshee is two point eight kilos for a uh, three-person tent, which isn't for a three-person tent, especially if you're going no. as 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 a three-person. If you if you're going, well, with... you probably wouldn't. So with 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 most tents, if you're burgeoning in, I would suggest always take an extra person, take a person off the tent. Um, recommendation yeah. in terms of but you allowing can split that you, between you've got to have two your people. Kit in the tent ideally yeah um yeah you could split so... the you could split the inner and the outer between two people mm. and then the pegs and the um poles between two people and you've half that weight almost straight away yeah you just got the to move like the person do... you sleep with well yeah that's that's the thing <laughs> i mean you're probably unlikely to rock up to a uh, a milsim event on your tod and then be super comfortable I mean, maybe you are. I mean, it depends on how outgoing you are. I mean, if you're rocking up to mm. an event on your Todd anyway, you're probably, you know, fairly fairly up for um, kind of getting stuck in. But 
appreciate that sometimes people want their own space a little bit. And, you know, if, if you don't know someone quite as well, you're probably unlikely to get in a tiny tent with them. Um, yeah, one well, landnav challenge has said, while well, camping is still trespass in England, other than Dartmoor, so most companies will create bright colours for safety, so in an emergency, SAR teams can see them clearly. But I don't yeah. want to be seen! <laughs> <laughs> and half of half of the trespassing is half the fun. <laughs> Not that we're <laughs> condoning that. <laughs> what you can do is obviously get a DD tarp or something like that, cover it over the top, but it's just yeah. not, it's, it's nice to have that just single proprietary system all kind of set up and ready to go. Um, but yeah, I would like some more, more camouflage stuff. But um, So that's woodland. So let, let's transition now to urban, urban environments. So, I mean, the, the, the most recent, I believe the two of us attended together was HQ Defiant. in Driffield yep. uh, with Defiant. That was Red Tide. Three? Three. So what was your setup? How was that different to your kind of traditional woodland so go to? So I no matter where I go, I have I have a basher with me. Um no matter what I do. Urban, swamp, woodland, <laughs> there there is always a basher in my bag. Um so for that one. And I'm glad I had it still in there. Was my um, camp bed, um, and then I put my basher over the top of that just for a little bit of privacy. Um, and also, as well, at the time I didn't know, but um, it was almost it was also to stop if any any fire came into the fob. Um, it gave me a bit of cover as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to uh, in urban ones, depending on what the setup's like, um, it will always it will be always camp bed, um, and then a basher sort of tied off in sort of like an L shape, lean to sort of way, just so if any rain, because all the sites that we play airsoft at, you call them a building, but it rains more in the building than it does outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Once I mean, it I'm finds not... that. <laughs> On that particular issue, there was there was some really weird locations that water was coming in through the building, like right in the middle of the room where you there's no beams or anything. Like it's really strange. Um, So yeah, I always take a I always take a basher, and now a set of Dewalt drivers in the car as well, so I can power drive some nine inch screws into the wall. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. just like to tie off to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a basher should be something that because it's so small. Um, mm-hmm. If you can get like a the proper British Army, um, either DPM or MTP basher, you know, it's got the the hat, the carry loops and stuff like that. They're so versatile for doing all sorts of stuff with. Yeah, I've seen them used for. I mean, they can obviously be used for stretchers, but I've been used seen them be used for stretchers to carry kit out. So, sort of two or three people have bundled all their kit into the middle mm-hmm. of it, and they're carrying. Like excess stuff out as well as the Ber- uh, Bergens and stuff. Um, you can obviously hold them up as uh, vertical screens. You can hold them up as kind of, as Andy kind of implied, like rain shields and stuff like that. If you're in a building that's pissing it down, you can use them as wind breaks in windows and yeah. things like that. Um, I've, I've used it a couple of times when we were setting up um, like observation points. Yeah. And literally, you, you know that you're going to be sat there for three, four hours. So you just kind of tuck it around yourself throw mm. bushes around it so it gives you that little bit of extra so you can move around without 
you know that you're not going to knock a branch or anything like that. It, it kind of gives you a bit of a, I want to say shield. It's not really shield. Well, yeah, it's sort of a no, shield. No, it just gives you that barrier, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. So you're not so you know that your clothes aren't going to get caught on a twig. You give you've got yourself like a nice little comfy spot to kind of settle down in for a, three hours. Mm. I mean, if you're not if you're not sitting against it as well, it's almost a thermal barrier because mm. the um the basher itself there's there's obviously common fairly common misconception that thermal can just see through anything. It's like X-ray vision, which obviously it can through certain materials and products and stuff like that, but um if you can create that kind of vertical separation, it's going to, it's going to potentially sort of help shield your heat signature. Yeah. Um, at least if you're sitting right up against it and you're, you're heating up the sheet, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty certain you can get seen through. Um, you can obviously use like mylar and stuff like that to assist with that as well. But for a, for a, a plain basher sheet, that's quite useful. Um, I mean, the, the, the one thing that I always found great for using for is, you know, um, do you remember when we went to Dog Tag for Red Tide 1, 2? Red Tide 2, yeah. Yeah. So we were in... Um, oh, no, Red Tide I, I 1, wasn't it? Dog I Tag. it was Red Tide 1, yeah. Um, the uh, I don't know Dog Tag Airsoft particularly well. I've played there once and it was this event. We were in one of the safe areas or yep. the safe area, um, which has... Covered ceiling, which was great, but open sides. Uh, there's some sort of panel fencing and some mesh netting, uh, but it was absolutely hammering it down that weekend. So we used bashes to kind of line all that round. So it helped stop that driving rain from coming in. Yep. So they're just such a versatile thing that, you know, even in an urban environment, it, it packs up small. Take a basher with you. You'll probably find that you've got more use of it than than not. Mm -hmm. um, also, pyro defense, as you found out. <laughs> Yeah. I would have been because you got to think because yeah. <laughs> you got to think also as well like especially in urban pyro is going to be used and if your fob or sleeping area can be attacked most of the time your sleeping bag is probably going to be one of the more expensive items that you use um because well personally I I always spend that little bit extra on a decent sleeping bag so I know I've got a good night's sleep if I'm sitting there and someone chucks a pyro onto my sleeping bag and my sleeping bag goes up, that person's getting shouted at. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, accidents yeah. do happen, but just having that something in between your bed and, say, the door or a window, just to stop that, or not to stop, but reduce the risk of that random pyro coming flying in and setting fire to your lovely, lovely warm sleeping bag. On day one. So I've, <laughs> I've got a little chip uh, that I've been using for this. Now, I'm just trying to find it so I can share. So um, for those that uh, may have seen these already, they'd see, you know, the British Army um, mosquito net, like cot, single mosquito net. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's basically a little um, self-contained tent, effectively. Right. It's got two poles that cross over, um, and then that holds up like the superstructure for this mosquito tent, then you can sit that on a, a cot bed. I mean, I, I don't have a British Army cot, but I find that I can attach it to um, any sort of cot bed that I'm using at the time, or you can just lay it on the floor. And I, I've I've been kind of taking this with me to some more of the urban events where you kind of want to create. You're not so fussed about um, like the the rain cover at that mm -hmm. point, but 
it just keeps things off of you while you're sleeping. So for exactly like that, so for Pyro or anything like that, um, I wouldn't rate this against BB impacts, but obviously it, it kind of minimizes the risk that if your glasses slip off your face while you're having a bit of a kip. Um, so for events where you can obviously be raided in your safe zone, it does give you a little bit of extra protection because mm -hmm. you are effectively behind mm. a mesh. Um, again, please don't take that as being that's uh, suitable for safety. Um, that you know you can hide behind that and you'll be absolutely fine. But it just gives you an extra little bit of layer for that. You can chuck a tarp over it as well if you want to, um, to kind of give you a little bit more privacy. But these are quite good. They're, they're not. They you know they're yeah, they look good. You can you can slot it in your in your kit. Um, I had this at Red Tide Three. Um, set my my bed and everything up inside of it and just sort of makes everything nice and contained, which was quite helpful. Yeah, so. I got to admit I quite like Lance's is it Dutch Army camp bed that he has. Hope he's still listening. You know the one that he had at Red Tide One, and it had the waterproof cover over it, and it was all set out on the. Beds. I think that was something similar to that. I think he just yeah. threw a tarp over it, I believe. Oh, was it? Um, yeah, Hopefully yeah, he's still listening. But that was quite, I like that. that. That gave me the idea for the buying that. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, I quite like um, that. Yeah. And then I say, they're not too expensive. They come in, you know, little, little kind of mm. kit, depending on which one you buy. Um, they come in like the little kit bag and stuff like that. So, yeah, I recommend those. Um, just gives it an extra little bit of shelter. Um, other than that, cot beds, I think, probably the only main thing, major mm -hmm. difference. Um, you know, especially indoors, you're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna be indoors. taking a cot bed into the woods. Um, I think the major thing with a cot bed is when you're in some of the more urban buildings and the like, firstly, there's a whole load of shit on the floor from dust to you know, crap to potentially uh, like lead paint flakes and you know, asbestos. These, <laughs> Well, I'm, I don't want to go down the route of saying asbestos, but there's there's clearly these are dilapidated buildings, so there yeah. are, there are potentially some nasties on the ground, um, and it's just worth, I think, trying to get above that if you can. Um, mm -hmm. Not saying that you can't, you know. Good friend Ryan, he obviously just sleeps on the ground everywhere, um, so it, it's doable, um, but it gets you off the ground. You can obviously put kit under your cot bed as well, um, you can and I find that I can never. I'm all right getting comfy on a on a mat in woodland and stuff because I do find the I know the ground does give you a bit of give after a little while, but concrete no I just can't get comfy. I just mm. tossing and turning just could never get comfortable. So just being able to have that little bit off the ground for me is a godsend. If I have to sleep on concrete, I'll just go and stand on stag duty all night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, concrete sucks the heat out of you a lot quicker than soil, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Thermal, um, thermal properties. So, yeah, cot bed. It's good. The only thing you do need to consider is cot bed. You you potentially suffer from the same issue as you would in a hammock, where obviously you have a layer of air now underneath you. Um, we've obviously talked about hammock um, under quilts and the like before. So just yep. make sure you've got that kind of degree of separation from the base of your cot bed with something like a sleep pad. Um, there's a whole variety of things out there. I mean, you could even use a, a Wubby as a, as a base layer, for example. Yeah. Just just give yourself a little bit of insulation there. To chuck kit also, underneath kit, as well. That yeah, helps. kit bag and stuff like that, if you can get that wedged underneath. Um, I know me and a couple of other 
people who have recently moved over um use um the carp fishing beds mm-hmm. which are very insulated to start off with yeah <laughs> that's proper glamping in it at that point yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they are like they are good like it's especially on an urban where you can most urban events you can pull up to pull up with a car dump all your stuff out and then go and piss your car off down into the car park um mm. i don't think i've ever done an event where uh, an urban event where you've had to tab in at all i don't i've never uh, i haven't done one no not an urban one it's always been no. drop your kit off shoot back um so for me just having like yeah you're doing an urban event great get a little bit of luxury because at the end of the day, you're there to enjoy the pew pew. Not well, it depends the... on how extreme you want to go. With it, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there are times where we, we've done some urban events in some pretty grotty buildings. Um, but it's about kind of some of those things that you can bring together. And you know, if if you're in a if you're in the opportunity where you've got a room of say sort of five or six of you, you know, you can start to break up some of the creature comforts amongst mm-hmm. you. So you don't all have to bring space heaters. I mean, you can obviously get those kind of gas space heater type things, can't you? Or um, bashers or things like that. Like you can start to kind of share that out and kind of go, you know, right, you, you've got a couple of those. I'll bring this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's indoor shelter setups and sleep setups. I mean, realistically, I think, I think the main thing to bear in mind is the ur- the urban event you're probably going to have the benefit of some walls to to shelter behind to some extent. You might have walls, but you might have no windows. <laughs> well, you might have no windows. I mean, you look at Longmore for those that have had a chance to um, yeah play at Longmore. You've got the opportunities for some of the the houses there, the buildings there um, in the main fob area. I want to call it. You've obviously got the bunk houses, mm-hmm. which you know you've got quite a nice toilet block there the last time i was there um that they've put in so it's no longer the porter cabins it's a proper little inbuilt toilet system there now and and bunk beds so you know it's a little bit cramped and stuff like that but it's actually quite cozy when you when you get all in and get all set up so just i think the the key thing is don't take anything at risk find out in advance of what sort of kit you're going to need and make sure you plan appropriately for an urban event Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want you to believe that you should turn up to any urban event <laughs> and there's bunk beds now and it's great and it's like... <laughs> oh. um, so we talk about storage and packing as well on that note so we've obviously talked about dropping your stuff off at the buildings when you rock up how do you pack differently between the two and I think this is going to be quite a quick question because I think we've probably got the same answer I tend to I tend to basically sort out a box um, and the box will contain 90% of the stuff that I need for an urban mm-hmm. event. Um, and then I'll literally, I'll just bung the box down next to me, have the bed set up and then that'll be kind of it. I, t- I tend to rarely go with a bag Um just purely because you you do have that sort of permanent setup sort of idea. Um, yeah. I have been looking at some of the um, at the moment. I've just got to carry one, um, but I do want to get one with wheels 
and compartments and everything that folds out. I got a uh, a walking trolley uh, for Did my you? birthday. So it's uh, what one of the old granny ones, the ones with the uh, no, 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 this net like round proper, it. This is like a proper pallet pallet cart thing. Um, so my plan is that because I can just slide that in the car. If there's a few of us like taking like the Plano boxes or um, I mean B and Q do a quite a, a good little range of um, semi waterproof boxes. Um, I say waterproofing that I don't think they're obviously designed to submerge necessarily, but they do have like a bit of a seal running around mm-hmm. uh, the inside edge of the lid. Um, so I know I've, I've bought a couple of those previously and they're, they're incredibly useful because you can just make sure as long as they're organized and you have to keep mm-hmm. it properly squared away because otherwise you just end up with a right mess. But you can have your box, maybe one or two boxes, depending on the type of event, what kind of kit you're bringing, um, gun case, anything like that. And you can stack it all up and then I can then trolley it in. Um, so it's exactly that. You know, you, I think you're burgling into woodland events because you're going to be carrying it. You don't have the capability necessarily to wheel things around. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, urban, I will always try and take a box just because it gives you something to work off of while you're sitting on your bed, um, somewhere to put your torch. Just, they it, can stack. That's bedside table. Bedside table. You can build a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just basically to have a little bedside table. I do think that urban events are more cushy. I was going to say cushy. That was exactly the word I was going to say. <laughs> They're, they're definitely one where you can go, do you know what? I'm going to go with my jet boil. I'm going to go with my uh, carp bed with ultra padding. I'm going to have my bedside table. I'm going to have my gun case set up. I told you it's clamping. That's basically what it is. It is. <laughs> Urban events are, they're fun. And, and they yeah. if they, if that's the event that you like, then yeah. But I do definitely think woodland events are harder. Unless, well, you say that when we were at Dog Tag, that was almost an urban setup in Woodland where yeah. we were because we were given the. Yeah. But I mean, we, we effectively had hard cover, I would argue, at that point. Yeah. That, that's the thing. We, we weren't camping per se. No. Um, but yeah. Um, there's a few questions coming in, so I want to kind of just talk about those. Yes. So Rage says, Vango tents are great for the price point. Uh, Lance says, OEX tents are also very good. I can confirm that. Yes. James Shaw says, is the Snug Pack Ionosphere any good? So, Snug Pack Ionosphere? I don't know if you've seen one of these, Andy. Uh, I might have done on my last set. Uh, these are... Yeah, I'll see if I can find one. They are... Um, it's like they all. I think they do a, a more than a one man, but the ones I've seen are one man. Um, let's find one quick. Oh, what them? Yes, because I've yeah. had one in my basket for nearly three months now. <laughs> it is one that I do want to. It is one that I do want to try, and I have uh, and the reviews for them. Personally, I've never tried one, but it is in my shopping basket. So I've heard some mixed stuff about them, to be honest with you. Um, so I've heard that the two-person one is better than the one-person one. They yes. do a two-person one. Um, the one-person one is meant to be a bit uh, like claustrophobic. Yeah. 
But see, that's this is what I was saying. You know, if bear in mind, people won't just leave their kit outside for the most part. They will bring their kit in no. with them. So if you've got kit in there as well, you are going to be tight against anything anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I've heard is that whilst the pitch of the tent obviously is towards the head end, um, for taller people, you are still pushing your head into kind of the where the tent starts to dip down again. Oh, so right. that's one I'm of the reasons why people place. felt a bit claustrophobic because you know you are yeah getting to the point where you are kind of getting into the tent on that that aspect. Um, funnily enough, that's one of the reasons I went with the Ratnik bivy because you've got whilst it's claustrophobic as fuck for the rest of you, <laughs> the um your head is in like this own it's little the one mini tent. Yeah, and you've got the space in there that you can move around. Um, See, that's why I like your one as well. Like because where they I know it sounds silly, but it's where they've they've thought about where to put the that single pole because mm. it's quite far back isn't it it's not in front of you so oh, no, you get two you get two on the ratnik so yeah. it's it does for it i very much liken it to having a children's tent that you've got your head in and then the rest of your body's just in a bag um, yeah in a bivy bag because that that that's pretty much how that system works um but yeah so i mean snug pack's obviously a good brand uh they get I get cracking reviews, but just the, the bits of feedback that yeah. I've heard from people that have had them have but been sometimes they've not been as good as they wanted them to be. No. But then again also as well, every tent, if you go to the manufacturer's website, every tent will have a drawing of the tents that one of them. Yep, yep, there it is. All right. That should give you an idea of what you're what you're getting yourself into like you can clearly see on this bottom one that that center pole is not above your head mm. so you know that it's going to start dropping from that point so if you go if you are going to buy a tent always have a look at this diagram try and find mm. this diagram because it will tell you what you're getting into like literally getting into um Never go by what the uh, the amount of pit. Oh, I bought an eight man tent and I managed to fit thirty two people into it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Literally, just always and, and know your own uh, know your own build of your shoulders and like know your own build. Mm. So you can always compare to what you're getting into. It's hard sometimes to actually have the opportunity to go and test tents like that. So yep. you know you're you're not going to be finding that. You know, camping international or um, go outdoors or whatever necessarily spec those tents um, or, or have them on display. So it, it's harder to kind of give them a go. Um, so yeah, as much research as you can before you obviously launch into it. It's going to give you a bit of a steer um, before you buy it because obviously having to return them sometimes you have to then pay to return stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's although Snub Pack are really good. Snub Pack are yeah. good. So you can literally you can have it turn up. Don't take any of the labels off the bag, off the compression sack or anything. First, reasonably good day where you know you're not going to get it soaking wet. Throw it up and get in it straight away. And if you don't fit in it, like Snugpack are very good. Um, I think they, they do free returns within X number of days, within 14 days, I think it is. Um. Sorry, I was I was looking up. There's, I know right. there's um, quite a good there's quite a good uh, tent review um, person that I follow um, on YouTube who's done uh, a four year review with one. 
Um, and I can't remember the knife life. Oh, outdoor gear review. Go and check them out on YouTube. Um, oh yeah. He's very good. Yeah, they do. They like, he's they got do some a good videos. Very in-depth testing on tents. Um, so if you are struggling to find anything, go and check them out as a channel. Um, they've, they've got a load of information on there. Ryan says you could also use a basher, uh, also basher up for an OP if sniping. That's yep. another opportunity for that as well. Yeah. Uh, just keeps the rain off you. It can provide solid wall cover or anything like that. Um, Landnaz says you can dye nylon to darken a tent. I know. <laughs> I want a camo tent. I want a camo. I'm not going to sit there painting my fucking tent. I want to just buy one. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just buy a couple of bashers and then go to someone that's very good with a sewing i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stop and make your own tents. top no make i'm just gonna top. bully vanguard into making one for me <laughs> just keep sending a message you made one yet you made yeah. one yet you made one yet yeah. <laughs> um stephen whitehead says i use a foam mat is a thermarest any more comfortable thermarest oh that's the blow-up one isn't it yeah i've never slept on one but again it's something that i've been looking at but they're so expensive for just saying and I'm always worried about blow up ones. So because I would I would always suggest that it, it's hard because I actually really like an inflatable mat. You can get them proper tiny, you know, you inflate it up, you get relatively decent sized pad, relative thickness. The problem is, is as Andy has just alluded to, if that pops you have nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. but also we've all well, slept on the, the shitty airbed that our, our, <laughs> our parents or our aunts or, or whatever have. It's like, oh, yeah, camp on it. I think it goes down a bit in the middle of the night. You wake yeah. up, you're just laying on the floor. But um, then also as well, you've got the, right, so we've got to be low profile. We've got to bash her out. Right. We're trying to be like really quiet. And then you've either got, personally <laughs> speaking here, <laughs> Some fat, overweight, vaping, sodding airsofter blowing into <laughs> into his <laughs> blow-up mattress, which you're not meant to do anyway because you put moisture inside of it, which makes it colder. Or you've got the little... And they rot, apparently. Yeah. And then, or you've got the little... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for I me, mean, obviously... personally, it all depends on how comfortable you want to be. But for me, I probably wouldn't risk spending... Because those Thermarest ones are really expensive. They're like 130 odd quid, aren't they? They are, but there's a lot of technology behind them. Um, in terms, I, I'm not, I'm not advert obviously advertising them or trying to sell them here. Um, <laughs> have you got there's one? There's a lot of technology. No, I don't have one, and I have been looking at one, um, but I really can't just justify the cost on it. Um, That's moment. what I mean. I'd be worried. I'd be <laughs> so change. worried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the key with a the Thermarest is obviously they have pretty good R values, which is your mm -hmm. um, thermal resistance, basically. It, it's going to aid how much uh, resistance you have to the your, your body losing its heat to the ground. Um, so the, the higher the R value, then ultimately the more warm you're going to stay. Now, for the most part, we're none, none of us are really doing snow camping. Um and some of those some of those thermarest pads are like proper up there for keeping you warm in in yeah. the depths of winter. I would probably recommend if you're going to do a milsim, you want to try and get the best night's sleep you can because ultimately you're probably paying to be there. You you want to get a comfy night's sleep. So unfortunately, it's one of those things that you probably have to go to a shop and try out some pads. Don't just keep buying them because they're very expensive. 
Um, and returning them, as I say, can be a faff. So just go to like Camping International, go outdoors. They've got a number of pads there. You don't need something that's super camouflage and anything like that. And you can give those a go. I'm sorry to say, but the 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 best inflatable one that I've had is that Dutch Army one. That's what I was just. I'm sorry to say that's yeah. tw- twenty five quid. And I'll tell you what, the R rating on that must be something else. Must be. Yeah. Like I have never had a bad night's sleep in that thing, and it it only blows up to about that thick. But it is like literally yeah. sleeping on that. And much it's got foam, foam in there as well. Because they yeah. are they are self inflating. The only thing I would say is the one I've got has got a hole in it. <laughs> but that's the benefit of having foam in there because I've but used see, that probably two or three times more after the holes appeared, and I haven't really noticed. Um, it was only when I was sort of um, rolling it up once after the event, I was like, I'm not actually squeezing a lot of air out of this. Um, but you can repair them. So, it, you know, you can get a good Dutch Army sleeping pad. It's got the yeah. foam in it. So if it does deflate for whatever reason, you're not just laying on the floor. You've obviously got a layer of foam there. Um, so I highly Absolutely. recommend those. Yeah. I don't know if Prepper Shop have one at the moment. I don't think they've got any. Prepper I think last time I think last time they had them, we went, they've got them in stock. <laughs> and then everyone went, buy two. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got two. Uh, no, they're I've out got, of stock. Yeah, I've got two and a puncture repair kit. So I literally went down to Halfords, got a bicycle puncture repair kit, one of the little ones, you know, yeah. the little pocket ones that they sell. Got one of those, sprayed it green, and that lives in my bag. Uh, and the only reason I got two was just in case one, like, literally tore in half for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're brilliant. Uh, here you go. There's a thermal rest style matte Dutch ISO matte military NATO issue, olive green self-inflating bedroll. This is from surplusandoutdoors.com. Uh, it's super like new with bag, thirty-five pounds. Perfect. Uh, super like new condition. Yeah. So that's. I would say that that's. One. I would say that's top of. I would say that's the most that I would probably pay for one. Yeah. Because I think Preppers sold theirs for twenty-five. They're twenty-five. Now they yeah. were, they there, were there are there are more grade. available out there as well. Yeah. Uh, Forces Uniform and Kit.co.uk have one for twenty-five pounds. Doesn't talk about the grade. Oh, grade one, no faults or repairs. There you go. Yeah. See, I, I so even throw that into my that hammock. Because mm. I, I on my hammock, I've got a zip section that I can put a ground mat in. So I have the I have the under blanket. Then I have that mat to kind of keep it square. And literally, you can't feel anything from coming up underneath. Like, and I've, I've slept on cold, wet floors with that with just a, a, a in in my bivy bag. And I haven't felt a, a, a thing from it. By far, it's probably one of the best roll mats that I've ever bought. Punish one says, at the end of the day, you're sleeping on the floor in the woods. There's only so much comfort you're going to get. Dutch Army is the way to go. And to add uh, add to that, a Mylar sleep pad and you're laughing. So, there you go. Yeah. Those Mylar seat bags are good. Yeah. Uh, right. I think that was most of the comments. Dance uh, said, if you're mill simming, the easier to pack is better. However, it does depend on the event. So. Words I'm of wisdom. Not really there. sure that was in reference. To, <laughs> <laughs> Good comment. Well done. <laughs> um, so I suppose okay, the so... Only... Oh, yeah, I was going to say. I suppose the only other difference that you might do is um, 
cooking. Yeah. Would you change your cooking setup depending on urban event to woodland? I've eaten a lot more cold food at urban events. Really? Um, because I haven't really needed the heat so much. So well, see, things I'm like, way things like um, drinks. Uh, I'm, I'm including like everything that you consume yeah. on, on an event. So drinks, food, anything <laughs> like that. I, I, I definitely eat a lot more stuff cold on a on an urban event for the most part. Hmm. Um, now, whether that's a fear of setting fire to the building... <laughs> <laughs> from cooking inside um or or it's probably just a case of i think we've got more creature comforts around us uh you know if, if you set up correctly i'm think i'm probably warmer um mm -hmm. holistically uh, on a on an urban event um yeah i think i, I, I wouldn't really say there's probably much different i probably just do less cooking to be fair and and by cooking I mean warming things up because it's warming things. Yeah. actually cook stuff on a meal sim. It's not like we're well, sitting there with like a little frying pan going. You say that. I've been to I a few events. <laughs> We've been do. to. We have. No, I know. Red Tide One. We yeah, had but, a full no, full blown today. No, we did that. <laughs> yeah, but we did that before the event started, <laughs> or before I thought it had started. Anyway. <laughs> See, for me, I, I, mine would be. Uh, see, I'm the other way around. I find myself eating more regularly at urban events because once you get into that room, you kind of you 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 kind of switch yourself off a little bit from the outside. Um, I think so. You like you sit down, you like you sit on your bed. You've got your bedside table. You just throw your kettle on or your jet boil. Whereas when you're out in the field at an urban event, <laughs> it's just quick, shove it in a bag, heat it up, go out, do what you need to do, come back. Yeah. I find I find I find woodland events you're a lot more active. Yeah. Because someone could stumble across your like harbour area in a woodland event. Whereas everyone knows what building you're in. Yeah, I understand that. I do I get that. I mean I I think Probably, I would maybe say that because you're more exposed in a rural event. So, you know, if it rains, you are very much limited to whatever shelter system you've got set up. So I, I do appreciate that, you know, you, you don't have necessarily the luxury of just chilling out and relaxing, having a little stroll around the room, perhaps, um, that you obviously get an urban event. But, I mean, food-wise, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Lance just said we barbecued at Legion. Again, we had that before the event started. So, I, you know, I have done cooking at events and bits and pieces, but for the most part, not during an actual Milsim event. Um, I've seen people do it. I mean, um, I think Rage was having a lovely barbecue at um, oh, Red yeah. Tide 3. So um, I must must profess being rather jealous of smelling that every time I went past. So, uh, yeah. What didn't Op Irene? Weren't they cooking steaks and stuff while you were all in a bush? Oh no! They just had a fire. <laughs> we were cold in the bush, and we could just we could just hear this fire. I'm pretty sure. Fires. I'm pretty sure I saw pictures of there them might having have been a, steaks. A I, double, I refuse to admit that there might have been a double steaks burger, because, burner going and everything. <laughs> sit there cuddling, cuddling Mark. <laughs> um. So the last two things. Uh, I'm conscious of the time, so we'll probably not worry too much about tactics because whilst tactics obviously do vary. Um, I think for the most part, you're still going to be using things like flanking manoeuvres. Um, 
you know, the, the only real difference probably urban is that there'll be more door kicking and dealing with buildings um, from that perspective. But fob setups is something I wanted to kind of briefly touch Ooh, on as yes. well. Um, Andy, I'll throw it to you. What what would be your perceived difference between sorry perceived differences between a, a rural and urban fob a setup? A rural. A rural. For some reason, I completely lost the ability to talk. <laughs> yes. So. Well, 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 well. <laughs> uh, oh, for me, I would say setting up a setting up in the woodland is harder because you've got to you've got to make it secure. Um, and in a woodland, like secure and hidden, would be the main one. So you, you'd end up using a lot more cam nets, um, larger tarps. You've got a lot of footfall going in and out. 90% of the time, you've got to keep it reasonably lit. Um, um, but then also as well, have it secured. So you've got to have mm-hmm. um, like sentries. You've got to have... Um, uh, forward observation centers you got to have and and surrounded by your own tents and things just so it makes it that little bit harder for uh, an enemy force just to go steamrolling through and get straight to your hq whereas in urban you can pretty much shit sh- shit <laughs> shove it like up on the second floor uh, up on the second floor um and make it really hard to get to one way in and out um you can quite easily defend it Whereas I think, and as long as it's out of view, people aren't really going to know if that's your HQ or if that's just where some people are sleeping. Whereas in a woodland, you can go, there's a big fucking tent there. <laughs> yeah. And there's, a, there's like 20 people coming in and out of that every couple of minutes. Right. <laughs> Pretty sure that's something important. So you do have to be a little bit more mindful on setting up in woodland. It's I a think. lot easier to maintain light discipline in, in a building. I mean, it depends on the yeah. building and how it's set up. But, you know, f- for the most part, if you've got um, uh, an ops room, for example, somewhere where you can you can close off the windows and things like that, then you can have lights going on in there and, and you can see what's going on, sort of have utilised that capability. Um, it's, it's particularly helpful, I think, to have a map on the wall. That's probably the mm-hmm. main difference I, I would probably argue between a rural and, and urban event because having information up on the wall that you can share stuff, make notes, etc., is very, very helpful. Whereas I, I do miss that when we go to rural events. So while we you know, might create like a, a, a map at the site or anything like that, maybe you know you do some sort of uh, indicative stuff on the ground. For the most part, you are just effectively drawing in the dirt or on a bit of paper, which you know. If it gets wet, it's a bit of a pain. So laminated stuff or anything like that. But you don't have like a big copy that you want to be standing there holding that out discussing. Yeah. Um, but then again, whereas... if you if you've set up if you've set up somewhere where you have got a tent that's well camouflaged and things like that, you can you can have that large map set up if needed. Yeah. So I think if, you, if it's done it depends properly, on what you've got set up. But it's a heck of a lot easier. Say, yeah, in an I say urban environment, doesn't it? Yeah, I say properly, it all depends on what you're able to achieve under the circumstances. Mm. So if you're in, say, medium to low woodland, where you can still see a good couple of metres in front of you, 
or even a couple, I'll say meters, a couple of miles in front of you, you're gonna you're you're gonna find it really hard to disguise a tent. Whereas if you're in really thick woodland, you could quite easily stick quite a large tent in or behind a bush and then make mm -hmm. the bush bigger. And then you can set up like a full command center if you wanted. I was just thinking. I was thinking it'd be a heck of a lot easier not to see the banshee if it wasn't bright green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, are there any other differences? I know we've, um, whenever we kind of go to events where they're kind of urban areas or anything like that, we sort of try to create like little, uh, like a, we, we have an ops room where we, you know, sit and discuss yeah. things and have little debriefs. So our TL on the event will go off and receive instructions from the the main. Um, faction commander or anything like that will come back and be able to brief us because we, we've got the maps and stuff there. Um, we yeah, I think at Red Tide 3, you and me you and me set up a little command centre at the back, didn't we? So yep. we had all our sleeping stuff in front of us. Then we had the command centre command um, yeah, it's, it's bit at the back. Just yeah. Info on the wall that we've just taped up on the wall uh, yeah. for various bits and pieces. Nothing particularly OPSEC. Uh, sorry that breached OPSEC um, because obviously you, these are buildings that the, uh, <laughs> the, the DEA or the, or the task force elements could get into. So you do need to be careful what, whatever you're posting on the wall, um, mm. but maps and things like that, you know, you, you can put little circles on things and, and, and do that if you need to. Um, if you've got a decent stag duty, you probably haven't got to worry too much about it anyway, but it, it's something to consider. Um, we obviously had a little mess area as well, didn't we? We put the water down. Yeah. There was one corner of the building that was properly already sodden anyway. So we put like all the water containers down there. So for pouring out water, it didn't kind of affect anything else. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I, I think there's not much difference in regards to what you can set up in mm. urban and um, rural or woodland. Um it all depends if you've got the opportunity to set up some sort of housing or cover in a rural environment. Urban, you've already pretty much got it. You've got four walls and a ceiling 90% of the time. Um, yeah, I think if it's done properly, you can do it. There's not going to, there shouldn't be much difference in what you do. There's one little bit of kit that we haven't discussed that I feel is very important for an urban, an urban event. And if you can get it as a team, it's very helpful. A broom. Because <laughs> like, the first thing we did when we when we took over this um, uh, sort of ground floor, and there must have been, what, eight of us in there? Eight or ten of us? Yeah, there was ten in, of us in, in that. wing of it. Yeah, there was ten in that section, and there was six in the other section. Yeah. So the first thing we did when we got in there, swept it out. Um, there's shit all over the floor. It was very clear as to kind of where some of the wetter patches were, so obviously people could see where not to place cots and stuff. Um, but if you've got a broom, it makes it a heck of a lot easier yeah. just to give it a little bit of a, a clear out um, and sort of, you know, just kind of establish a bit of a, not clean area, but a little bit more sanitary. Yeah. Um, I pulled up if, a load of floorboards, didn't I? Because there was that ridge in the middle that everyone kept tripping yeah. over, and I was like, right, I'm not <laughs> tripping over this. It's two o'clock in the morning. So ripped up 90% um, of the floorboards and relayed it all, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
One one story, uh, Lance just said it, it's environmental and situation dependent, but there's one story yes. I do want to share um, on behalf of Lance, which is be careful in urban environments, um, as well as rural, to be fair, because you obviously get um, trees which can be unstable. I think they're called widowmakers. Um, but in particular in urban environments, be careful where you camp, because there are a lot of these urban sites can be quite dangerous, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whilst obviously the event organisers and everything like that can do whatever they can to to make these things safe. There are potential situations that you can put yourself in where things could happen overnight that really, really mean that you're not going to be waking up in the morning. I know there was one particular event, and I, I, the life of me can't remember which one it is, and I'll, I'll probably let Lance talk about it when he's back from his holes. I believe they camped, um, or they kind of set up like a little harbour area um, under a wall or something like that, which it turned out the next day was proper teetering and like, you know, at risk of coming over at any time. Um, I'm not expecting everyone to be a structural engineer, obviously. You're not going to be looking at a building and go, ooh, that, that flange doesn't look right. Um, <laughs> yeah. The just bear that in bar mind. is not... Yeah. <laughs> it's it's things like, 60%. you know, if something looks a little bit unstable or the floor look, you know, feels a bit soft or something like that, just, just bear that in mind. Don't take a risk with it. You're at an airsoft event. You're not actually in a real war, you know. You're <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> pupiering so, with yeah. friends. Exactly, exactly. Um, right, we've got some more questions come in. Uh, Marky Mark says, Handy, Andy, what hammock do you have? Handy, handy I have handy. Ha- handy hammock. Handy's um, hammock. I have two. I have the Snug Pack uh, Thermal one. I've forgotten what it's called. Um, don't really rate it that much. It's warm, but it's bulky. Um, never really use that one. And then I've got the DD. Actually, no, I've got three. Uh, DD Lightweight one. That's quite comfy, but literally only use that in the summer um, and you still get cold. Um, and then I have the DD Hammock. I forgot which one it is. Elite, I think they call it. I'll have to have a little Google and I'll, I'll put a picture of it up on Instagram for everyone. Um, but yeah, it's got like a weird zip section on it um, that they say that you can either climb into which I found very claustrophobic. And oh, it's like um, a mosquito net, isn't it? No, no, this one's literally a, a, a full cover. Oh, okay. Um, and it's, it like zips all the way along. But I found that the best thing is just throw your roll mat in there and it just keeps it nice and square. Oh, gotcha. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they do say that you can get in it if you wanted. But when I did that and you zip it up, you kind of think... Oh, this is not nice. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a good bit of kit. Never had any problem with it. That's my main go-to one. Um, My snug pack one, I'd probably leave for if global warming goes the other other direction and you start going in an ice age. It's it's so hot and it's so bulky. It's it's good if that's what you wanted. Yeah, but then I bought the minus 40 sleeping bag and oh, put those two together, you are just sweating. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, they're they're both they're good bits of kit. Um yeah. I have a um a cover cure. Um yeah, I think it's just a one person hammock, uh which has the mosquito net capability i've never used it with the mosquito net could never be bothered to set it up no, so i just I hate the mosquito lay on it in the hammock um but i mean the, the only thing i would say if you are a large gentleman uh, and speaking as a large gentleman 
look at two-person hammocks. They don't really make too much of a difference in terms of size, but they give you, obviously, a substantially greater load-carrying capacity. Now, I've, I have I do exceed the, uh, the, uh, the, the weight limit on the one that I, I've used previously, and I've never had any issues with it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not jumping around on the thing, so I'm not going to stress test it too much. But the um, <laughs> the, the two person hammocks, you know, it it gives you a little bit of extra width if you need that. Yeah. Um, but for the I most quite part, like probably fairly similar. I quite like the two. Actually, that's the point. My zip up one, my main go to is a two person one. But I quite like it as well because when you get in it, once you've sunk yourself in, you've got sides, and if it starts getting a bit windy and you've got your uh, under blanket, you can kind of shift yourself around a little bit. You could, you could get a zip installed and zip yourself into it, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, you could. Ah, that's an interesting concept. But yeah, but also I don't as well, if I'd I want to be find... zipped into a hammock. That's <laughs> yeah. probably the worst way to die. <laughs> <laughs> but also as well, I find that the two-person ones. Now, if you if you if you do a lot of hammock sleeping, you know that you should never really sleep in line with the um lines you'd always sleep with your basically your feet kind of overhanging your head overhanging the other end because it stops you from swinging as much on the two person ones you stop, I find you stop you... bending like that as well like it, yeah it, it gives you the ability to lay flatter but i find that the two person one actually gives you a better angle it gives you more material to play with hmm. and it stops all your shit from falling out See, for me, I never do my sleeping bag up because I know that I've got the under blanket and the um, uh, mat. I know that I'm not going to get cold underneath. So I basically use my sleeping bag as basically like a duvet. So I just mm -hmm. throw it over the top of me. Um, with the two-person ones, you've got higher sides. So if you do have a bit of a rough night and you're turning around, you're not waking up halfway through the night going, great, my sleeping bag's on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> which is horrid especially if it's been raining <laughs> you gotta, well, I mean, you do oh. have to, that is something if you're if you're interested in hammock camping we, we can probably spend a whole episode talking about that because there's a whole load of things you do need to be aware of we've yes. kind of discussed it in previous episodes um things like rain drips um uh, they're not called rain drips rain tails something like that uh, you, i just you call need... them rain stops yeah, I think they're called rain stops, something like that. But you need yeah. you need to bear in mind how you're setting your hammock up in terms of obviously preventing rain from running down the straps and then just going into the hammock. Um, Not good. You obviously need to consider rain flies and stuff like that as well to shelter you, which you can use a basher for. Um, so that that wouldn't be a problem. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll cover that one off in another day. We'll we'll do. Just make sure it's a square. Probably... Yes. Don't go for. Uh, or buy a big one, big, bigger basher. You'll be fine. Or bigger basher, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the wall was at dark water, apparently. Dark water airsoft. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll let Lance cover that back off when he he's back. But it, I know we've have talked about it briefly, but yeah, just be careful where you camp. He also says he got one on Amazon for about twenty pound. Comes with a lifetime warranty and two man. Bloody brilliant! And he's just posted a link in the community chat. So there you go. Ooh. Um, right, uh, there were some last questions coming from Drew Metchen. So, Drew says personal admin drills need to be tops in green FOB. You can chill yeah. out a bit more in urban, yeah. 
you can have everything in a green FOB that you can have in urban. I think and that's the point. You, you can yeah, have yeah. everything. Ultimately, though, it depends. And I think this boils back down to um, the personal admin the, side the, of it. Again, the methodology it? by how you're getting there. Because if you're having to tab yeah. in, you know, you're probably going to be reducing the amount of kit you've got down. So, you know, I mean, we've been to events where you've got like, you know, big tents and stuff like that that people have set up and the like. Um, but it depends on how you're getting that kit there. Drew says it's down to your understanding of what a fob is and its role. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly that. You know, it's going to be situation dependent. You don't need to set up, you don't need a mess tent, for example. You know, you might have <laughs> yeah. an event where that is a practical application. But you're, not going to be, you're not going to be sitting there doing that every time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Drew. Good, good shout on that one. Yeah, no, lovely. Um, right, that's pretty much the end of the show. Uh, Andy, you wanted to yes. mention So, um, as everyone is probably aware, or if you're not aware, you are now, uh, we are doing our 24-hour event um, starting at... Episode. Uh, uh, event, episode. <laughs> it's going to be an event for us, I tell you. Um, on the 2nd of December uh, through all the way to the 3rd of December. Um, if anyone has any recommendations for non normal russian packs so nothing british or american because i think most of us have have tried most of those russian packs but if you have any that you recommend or would like us to have a look at during the 24 hour uh, event because obviously during 24 hours we will need to eat um if you just drop either myself, Michael, Lance, uh, a little message. We'll see if we can sort that out because um, uh, we're planning on doing some live cookings. Well, live heating up. <laughs> live heating up, <laughs> but not in the kitchen. Um, no. So, yeah, so yeah, some interesting ration packs. Um, and if you know somewhere where to get interesting ration packs, uh, please let us know. Um, it's just one of the events that we are looking at doing during the event i'm going to call it an event from now on you can't call it an event because people will try and book tickets and it'll be a nightmare <laughs> oh, um, it's an event drew for me says, anyway drew said have you done a 24 hour um i can't remember what o, the o stands for uh, operational ration packs challenge i don't know what the 24 hour operational ration pack challenge is i assume just living off know, of that yeah. for 24 hours maybe didn't know there was a challenge. No, let us know, Drew. Be interested. Yeah. Always up for a challenge. Give us a message, mate. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'm interested in that. Yeah. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do so on our email of nofochat at hotmail.com. Our Instagram is at November underscore foxtrot underscore nofo and the website is novemberfoxtrot.co.uk. You can also talk to us on our own individual Instagrams of at 9 at callsign underscore quartermaster and at the underscore punished underscore one underscore um oh apparently the challenge is eat everything in an hour fuck me <laughs> jesus <laughs> i feel that's doable i'd have to be very hungry before i started i'd definitely be on the old <laughs> I, <feel that> shit <laughs> like, I don't know oh you wouldn't be able to poo your body wouldn't know what to do it'd be like oh my god there's so much fiber and so much fat <laughs> yeah. 
I think we might have to give this a go. Maybe not for the 24-hour episode. Yeah. If we do that at the start, we, we might not make it to the end. <laughs> yeah, might do that. Thanks, Drew. It's good. I, I yeah, wasn't aware like that. of that. That's something we um we'll have to do at some point. Hmm. Um, That'll be on our list. Next week. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about... Uh, Nothing. We haven't got anything. No, to... I think we were talking about... We were originally going to be having Krios Airsoft Photography on the chat. Um uh, they have unfortunately had to postpone due to um, uh, a clash of bookings. So I think we're going to be talking about kills without rifts. So we're going to be talking about pyro, claymores, remote detonators, trip mines, rubber knives, all of that lovely stuff. Um, there's obviously a variety of ways that you can get a kill in airsoft. And we're going to be talking about all the opportunities that you can do without using your rift directly. So Still we'll done. see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there we go uh, if you want to get in touch with the show obviously all below next week we'll be here Wednesday 8pm I'm not sure if Lance is back next week or not I know he's on he said holiday 10 the days yeah so we might win the 10 days yeah we'll have to have a look yeah so in the meantime have a good week and we will see you all you too next week. bye and just uh, remember do you want to use the closing words <laughs> oh uh, don't forget to twist your knob off. <laughs> oh, pull your knob off. See you next week. Say <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Andy. Bye, Andy. <laughs>